What a great movie, huh? Full of interesting characters and storylines, uh, interesting weapons, all kinds of cool weapons, Death Star, Millennium Falcon. How many Star Wars fans are there in the house? Exactly. See, I kind of, I divide the Star Wars fans into three categories. Um, there are uh, people who aren't fans. That's one category. They need to get right with Jesus. Um, then there are those who are super intense fans. Like they know all the details and all the plot lines and all the storylines. Like they're really, really into it. And then there's this huge middle group. I think this was part of the genius of George Lucas is that he somehow managed to attract people who aren't normally science fiction fans, like they're not big science fiction people, but he got that group on board with Star Wars too because of the characters and the stories. It had so much interest that there was this huge middle group of people uh, that maybe didn't go see all the science fiction movies, but they still like Star Wars. I would put myself in that category. Um, I don't, I don't know all the names of the characters, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I know that caused some of you to lose respect for me um, and many others of you to gain respect for me. Um, I, I don't know all the planets they came from. Like I couldn't tell you the planets that they came from. But as far as just a fun, entertaining movie series... I'm on board. Sign me up for the next Star Wars movie. See, I'm not a big enough fan to know that I'm not supposed to like some of these last ones, right? Because like the serious Star Wars fans, they hate some things about these newest ones. If that's you, good. You do you. Like, good luck with the hate campaign. I don't know enough to know I'm supposed to hate them. I just go and kind of enjoy the ride because I think they're really clever movies. Uh, 1977, episode four comes out. Star Wars, 1980, Empire Strikes Back uh, comes out. Now, there is, there is agreement when it comes to two of the movies in the Star Wars series. If you Google this later, not while I'm talking, but if you Google this later, if you look up uh, ranking the, the 10 Star Wars movies, like best to worst, worst to best, that sort of thing, there are two things that are going to be consistent. Everybody agrees that Phantom Menace is the worst, right? It's always number 10, forever and ever, it's the worst. Everybody poo-poos Phantom Menace. And then the other thing that's consistent is everybody thinks Empire Strikes Back is number one. All the lists that you read, Empire Strikes Back is number one, Phantom Menace is number 10. Um, episode four, A New Hope, it's somewhere close to the top. It's number two in a lot of rankings, three or four. And then the rest of them are just all mixed in depending on who's doing the rankings, but everybody agrees, 1980, George Lucas, Empire Strikes Back was the best in the Star Wars series. You may disagree, you may, you may not think it was, but that is the general opinion. Now, even though the Star Wars stories are about this futuristic galaxies with, again, all these cool characters and storylines and weapons and fighter jets and all, all of those sort of things, it actually deals with, if you step back and kind of look at the big picture, it actually deals with the oldest issue of our time. Because ultimately, it's a story of good versus evil. It's a story of light side versus dark side. Enemy versus 
good guys. It's also a story um, about how the dark side tempts us to come over. Right? How there, there, there are these battles on the inside of us that tempt us when it comes to our emotions, like play into our anger, tries to feed our anger, um, our desires for vengeance. You find that throughout the movies. There is this constant tug, this constant pull towards the dark side all, through, all throughout the movies. Uh, and that's an old, old story. Right? That's, that story's been around as long as humans have been on the earth. This pull towards what's, what's wrong. This pull towards giving in. Uh, in some ways, it deals with issues of free will. Right? Which side will you choose? Will you choose towards the good side? Will you choose towards the bad side? Will you, when it comes to Luke especially, will you be driven by uh, your, your parents' decisions? Like because they chose this side, will you choose that side because they did? Uh, will, will you give in to the same dark emotions that you saw in your dad, you saw in your mom, it's in your DNA, it's in your genetics? Are you just going to give in to all of that or are you going to fight back? Like, Are you going to make your own choices and your own decisions? And if we're honest... All of us have times in our life where we experience those things on the inside. We all experience inner conflict of what we know we should do and yet what we're tempted to do. And sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's very overt. Sometimes it's over a long time, just this subtle draw towards what we know we shouldn't do or think or be. And sometimes it's very quick and very sudden. In the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, Paul discusses this battle that we're in. This was a familiar analogy for Paul. Paul often talked about the inner conflicts that we have, emotionally, spiritually, the, the, the tug by temptation. He often admitted that he feels that. He feels that tension in himself and by virtue, says, look, you're going to feel this sometimes too. You're going to feel this tug sometimes. At the end of Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, Paul's wrapping up his comments to, to the church in Ephesus, and he goes back to this analogy of a battle that we're in and an enemy that we face. Here, here's how he starts. Finally, right, he's at the end of the book, he's wrapping up his thoughts, uh, this is uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So as we're getting ready to engage this battle that we're in, one of the first things Paul points out is you need to understand if you're going to engage this battle, our strength doesn't come from us. It, it's not an inner strength that we're trying to pull out. It's not an inner strength we're trying to find or we're trying to tap into. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Not in your mighty power. Paul's really clear. We're not that powerful. Like we're pretty weak most of the time. He even says at one point, it was in my weakness that I really found the power of God. I found God's grace and His strength in my life. Not when I felt great, but when I felt weak. Our strength to engage this battle, this, this enemy, is not from us, 
It actually is from God's power. So, so Paul says, look, you, you walk close with God. You, you get your life close to Jesus. You get Christ in your life. And what you will find is the, the closer you draw to him, the more of his power that you're going to experience in your life. Now, there are some things that we can do. Paul's going to talk about that extensively in just a minute. But he sets out at the beginning. There's nothing you can do to get power other than to walk with God and allow His power to work in you, because that's ultimately where our power comes from. So what he's trying to help us understand is that being strong, like winning these battles, being strong starts with us admitting that we're not strong, but God is. Us admitting, I don't have all the resources I need emotionally, spiritually, for the things that I walk through. I don't have everything that I need on my own. God, I need your power at work in my life. So there's just an admission. As long as you think you're strong, you're not going to call out for God's strength. As long as you think you've got it handled, as long as I think I've got it handled, I don't realize my dependence on God and his work in my life. Then Paul, he gets to our part. He gets to the specifics of, all right, if you're going to live in this strength, if you're going to experience this strength, this is, this is what should be happening in your life. This is verses 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. A whole lot going on in, in that verse. Let's just kind of take it a step at a time. But Paul's telling us that first, you need to understand there's evil at work in the world. There is such a thing as evil, and that evil is at work in the world that you and I live in, exist in. God has given a certain amount of freedom to evil for evil to be worked out in the world that we live in. And I know that's not always a popular concept. We, we have a lot of people that try to explain away evil. Um, it's a social construct. It's, a, it's something we can learn to get rid of. It's just that history doesn't bear that out. Read any part of history and you find, no, there's, there's evil at work in people. Turn on the TV, log onto the internet, scroll through Twitter, right? There's a lot of evil in the world. And Paul's upfront about that. Like, you need to know there is evil at work in the world. And that evil is not just sort of random and chaotic things. It's not, oh, that was a bad thing over there. And yeah, that was a separate bad thing over there. And that was another bad thing over there. Paul says that evil is coordinated in the world. He uses the term scheme. Evil has a plan, trickeration, right, to borrow a made-up word that sometimes get used. Evil has a scheme in the world, and the Bible says there is a personal being behind that scheme. This is probably even less popular to talk about, but the Bible says there is a personal being coordinating this evil. The Bible refers to this being as the devil or Satan, not like the pitchfork and the horns, but a, an evil being that has plans for destruction, has plans to ruin your life, to ruin my life. If you remember um, Empire Strikes Back, 
Vader says at one point about Luke, if he can be turned, he will be a great asset. And then, and then Vader try, Darth Vader tries to use Luke's emotions and his anger and his past to get him to turn towards the dark side. In a similar way, Paul said 2,000 years ago, you have an enemy and he's at work against you. And he has a plan, he has schemes throughout the world to try to turn your heart in a direction that it doesn't need to be turned. To get you to do things that you shouldn't do to ruin your life. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you, you're not at that point, if there hasn't been a moment where you believe that Jesus was God's son and died and rose for our sins, we're glad you're here, hope you keep coming, hope we can keep having a conversation about spiritual things. But I can tell you that this personal enemy who is scheming, his entire plan for you is to keep you away from Jesus. This is number one goal if you don't know Christ yet. His number one goal is to give you doubts and, and questions and to show you that Christians make all kinds of mistakes and they're really not that great at people. Anything he can do in your mind to keep you as far away from Jesus and the life that God has planned for you and the joy and peace and fulfillment that Christ in our life brings us, that's his scheme for you is to keep you away from Jesus. And we think there's nothing better than getting to Jesus, so we're going to keep encouraging you to overcome those schemes and get to Jesus. But if you're already a follower of Jesus, it's not like the enemy walks away from your life. The, the enemy's desire for you, if, if you've come to faith in Jesus, is to ruin your joy and your peace and your attitude and your emotion, your relationships, to steal the fulfillment of the life that Jesus wants to give you. Je Jesus said, I've come not just to give you life, but life to the fullest. And the enemy doesn't want you to experience that. He wants you riddled with guilt and questions and doubt and fear. He is out. If he can't have your soul, he's out to destroy the life that you could experience in Jesus. You, you just need to know you have an enemy at work against your life and your fulfillment. The, the other thing that Paul clues us in on in the first part of this passage is that things are not always as they seem. Paul says this enemy has schemes and, and, and there are things happening that you and I don't see. Not everything is what it seems. You think about Empire Strikes Back. Not everything was what it seemed. Uh, Luke goes in search of a Jedi master and he never thought that it would be a two-foot green thing with big ears, right, that talked in a funny accent. Now, that's not what Luke thought he would find when he went to find the Jedi Master. But that's exactly what Yoda was. Uh, the iconic scene towards the end of the movie, Luke discovers Darth Vader's not who he thought he was, right? Everything's not as it seems. Darth Vader's his father. And it's a, again, that iconic line, we sometimes quote it wrong. James Earl Jones, Darth Vader says, No, I am your father. Right. <gasps> Things are not what they seem. Uh, Luke kissed his sister, right? Like, come on. Nobody wants to do that. And things are not what they seem. That's what Paul says. Paul says, Look, 
The life that you live, it's not always what it seems. We think this is the problem, they're the problem, it's Monday, I'm just feeling down, I've got this, I've got that, it's just there, it's my boss's fault, it's my spouse's fault. And Paul says, you've got to understand that the way the world is playing out, it's not just those little things. There's, there's somebody that's trying to pull you down. Somebody that's trying to destroy your future and your life. And you need to know that and you need to be prepared for that. So, so, so Paul gets specific about some things that will prepare us for the unseen battle that Paul says is going on. This is um, uh, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. It may help to know that Paul was in prison at this point. Paul writes several of his letters from prison. This is one of them. Paul's in prison. He's getting ready to wrap up this letter. And for at least some of that time, Paul would have been chained to a Roman guard. Now, the Roman guard probably would not have been in full battle uh, uh, armament. But noticing the guard is probably triggered, probably triggered in Paul's mind. This is a great illustration. Everybody knows what a Roman guard looks like when he goes to battle. I'm going to use that as an illustration for this last point that I want to make. And so he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Um, in order to be ready, in order to be ready for the battle that we're all in, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. He doesn't give us the option of picking and choosing the parts that we like. He doesn't give us the option of saying, well, I think I can handle that, but I don't want that. Paul says, no, you got to put it all on. you got to put it all on every day. Day. The, the armor of God, this illustration that he's building, the armor of God is, is not fashion accessories. Right? It's not, I'm accessorizing for the week, I'm accessorizing for the day, I'm going to pick that, I'm going to pick that. Paul says, no, you need to put on all of this every day because the battle is going to come. The day of battle will come into your life. Uh, Paul seems to be saying that every day is not going to be a battle. Right? He seems to be saying that we're not going to get up every day and it's going to be this crisis and, and this attack against us. But he says it will come to every one of us. And it will come periodically throughout our life to every one of us. It will come, therefore, you should get ready every day because you don't know what day it's coming. You, you don't know what day the enemy has decided to come against you, to tempt you, to accuse you, to remind you of past mistakes. The battle will come. The dark side comes for all of us. Right? If we're honest, the dark side comes for all of us. Tempts all of us. Tries to discourage all of us. Tries to harm all of us all of us. So be ready for that day. And specifically, Paul says, be ready to stand. If you think about combat thousands of years ago, 
Much of it was hand-to-hand combat, and one of the best weapons was not your sword or your shield, but your ability to, to stand up and to be balanced and to be grounded. Because if you're off balance, then you're easier to defeat. If you're on the ground, if you're on your back, then you're much easier prey So Paul's saying, you need this armor of God so that you would be grounded firmly. Maybe that's a question each of us can ask ourselves. What are those things that knock me off balance spiritually? What are those things that when they come into my life, I'm not ready for, I'm not good at defending myself against, and I get knocked off balance? I become easy prey. He goes on, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So two different things, the belt of truth. Then there's debate. If you, if you read commentaries of people who discuss this passage, they, they debate whether that means the truth of God, His Word, the truth, whether it means true living, like living sincerely, living honestly. And I agree with those who say you don't have to pick. That if, that if you are grounded in the truth of God's word, you will live out a truthful life. You will live out a sincere life. You will live out an honest life. You will not be two-faced. You will not be hypocritical. Put on truth. And, and Paul couldn't see the year 2018 from, from a prison cell in Rome. But wow, we need truth today, don't we? Maybe like no other time, because we have so much access to information, uh, we are surrounded by the faults. We are surrounded by the misleading. We are, sur- we are surrounded by the almost truth, but not quite truth. There's a reason why Snopes exist, right? There's a reason why online websites that debunk myths and falsehood exist because we live in an age of, of, of fake. We, we, li- we live in an age of faults. And 2,000 years ago, Paul said, you need to know truth. You need to be able to detect the difference between what is true and what is false. What sounds right but isn't right. The next piece of our armor, he says, is the breastplate of righteousness. And, and what Paul means by the breastplate of righteousness, he's talking about righteousness in this sense, he's talking about our, our character, the way we live, the way we live out our faith. Not specifically the fact that we have the righteousness of Christ, although that's true. Uh, when we come to faith in Jesus, we, we are made right with God. There is a righteousness as far as our position with God Paul, I think, is saying, no, the way you live needs to reflect the righteousness that you have. The way that you live, the way you speak, the way you interact, the relationships that you have needs to reflect obedience to God, obedience to the person of Jesus Christ. Your your life needs to more and more reflect the way Jesus would live and speak and think and interact because some of us are knocked off balance, if, we, if we're honest. Some of us are knocked off balance because we're just not living rightly. Right? There's, there's areas that we're compromising in 
There's areas of living for Jesus that we're taking shortcuts in, that we're excusing in our life. That we're saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, everybody does it. Well, it's not the way it used to be. We have all of these ways of rationalizing living outside of God's plan for our life. And Paul says that will at some point knock you off balance. That will at some point make you vulnerable to the attack that the enemy is going to bring against you. So live in righteousness. In verse 15, And with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet, fitted with the readiness, ready to move, ready to advance. Uh, most of the armor that Paul's going to talk about is somewhat defensive in nature. Right? To, to defend against, except for this one, Paul says your feet need to be ready to move out and specifically move out with the gospel of peace. That our message to those in our world, in our circle, in our, our message is that God desires peace with them. God desires to put His grace on them. God desires to put His love on them. Whenever we use battle language, war language in the Bible, and the Bible does use that metaphor quite often, but sometimes in the church, those of us who, who, who have been walking with God for a while, sometimes battle imagery, war imagery, can make us think it's us against them. That the fight is against other people. That the fight is against people who disagree with us or people who don't do what we want them to do or what we think is right. We can begin to think that the battle is against others. Paul's been very clear the battle's not against others. This isn't evil at work in the world. We're, we're trying to overcome evil with good. We're, we're trying to let the light of Jesus shine and expose the darkness. And so in the middle of this, yeah, live rightly. Yeah, Stand strong. Yeah, fight with righteousness, Paul says. But don't forget, you're also, also supposed to be advancing into the darkness with the gospel of peace. Like those people who don't live the way you do, don't believe the way you do, don't think like you do, don't agree with you, agree with us. But they're, they're in need of the gospel. They're in need of knowing that God loves them and sent His Son for them. They're in need of being made right with God through the peace that only Jesus gives. So we can't just sit back and go, the world's awful, everybody's awful, that group's awful, and they're awful. Paul says, no, be ready to share the gospel of peace with the people that you meet. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This shield was a, lar was a large shield, large enough for the soldier to hide completely behind. He could hold it in front of him, and he could get completely behind this shield. It's made of wood and uh, leather or some skin stretched over the front of it specifically for defending uh, against arrows that would come in, and, and especially arrows that were on fire. You've seen movies, the archers light the end of the arrow on fire and they shoot them at the enemy. That's, that's the sort of fighting that was taking place. Paul's drawing on this picture to say you need something that you can hide behind because those arrows are going to come into your life. 
And so when the arrow would hit the shield, it would not only stick and protect the the soldier, but the leather skin on the front would put out the flame as well. And what is that shield? What does Paul say is that shield? He says, well, it's faith. Faith not in you, not, not faith in your ability. It's faith in God. He said, I believe God. Meaning, I, I believe that God is who He says He is and He's capable of what He says He's capable of. I, I believe that God is more powerful than this battle that I'm in. I, I believe that God is stronger than any enemy that would ever advance against me. I, I believe that I'm who God says I am. I, I believe when the enemy fires fiery arrows at me that accuse me, arrows of guilt reminding me of stuff from my past, arrows to tear down and belittle and discourage. I have faith. I have the shield of faith that reminds me that God says I'm His child. I am protected by Him. I am loved by Him. I am cherished by Him. And so when I'm attacked by the enemy, I just trust what God says about me. I trust what God says about Himself. I trust what God says about the battle. So that every time one of those arrows comes into my life, I'm protected. I'm shielded. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, salvation, Word of God. Salvation in this sense, I think, is a past, present, future reality. For those of us who have come to faith in Jesus, that happened in the past, right? We were set free. We were saved. Salvation came to us in the past. Salvation is coming to us in the present in that He is delivering us from whatever we're going through. He is with us through every battle. He is with us through every struggle. He will save us from the battle that we're in. And in the future, He will ultimately save us for all of, e- for all of eternity. The salvation is past, present, future. And, and I have this confidence, this faith, That however I feel the enemy's attacks today, I know who wins. I know who wins the war. And maybe there's some battles that are difficult for me. Maybe I lose some battles. We're not perfect. We're not going to get it right every single time. Maybe there's some skirmishes that I tend to lose, but I know ultimately God's going to win. God's going to save us forever and ever and ever. And then finally, the sword of the word of truth is just knowing what God has said, what protects our minds, what, what protects our opinions, what uh, protects our perceptions, our worldviews. It's not that we're really smart, although maybe, maybe you are. There's nothing wrong with being smart. There's nothing wrong with intelligence. But all of who we are and all, of, all that we think submits to what God has already said. And so, when this world presents us with mistruths and half-truths that we're able to say, but God has said, but the Word of God says, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If the Word of God in your life is not something you're consistently doing, is this a great time to start? If you want to be ready in the battle, 
You can't make it up on the day of the battle. You've got to know what God has already said. Paul wraps it up in verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul steps out of his soldier analogy. He's kind of gone through all the pieces of armor and he says, but, but don't forget this. Over all of that, be people of prayer. In the battle, keep calling out to the Lord. In the battle, stay close to the Lord because you're in conversation with Him. You're, you're pouring out your needs, your requests. You're praising Him in prayer. And don't get distant from God over everything else that you're doing to stand. Keep praying, keep praying, keep talking so that you can stand, so that you can be strong. We're in a, another one of those seasons where we're, we're seeing very high-profile church leaders and denominations and church groups come under fire because somebody lost the battle. We've had several months, maybe close to a year, of high-profile, what we might call celebrity pastors, church leaders. We have a whole denomination of church right now that's in the news. There, there, there is exposure that is taking place within the church for the behavior that has gone on among some of its leadership. These were men who no doubt started out with great sincerity, started out with a great heart for seeing people come to the kingdom and for sharing the gospel with people and for teaching the Bible. But they stopped putting the armor of God on at some point. They at some point thought they were strong enough by themselves. They at some point thought, I can handle this, or nobody will know. That doesn't apply to me because I'm this big famous leader. Remember the 80s classic Another one bites the dust, yeah. and another one's gone, and another one's gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey, hey, right? We see that in the church. I don't, I don't mean to make light of it. We see, we see people, some of whom we've respected, some of whom we've loved, some of whom we've learned from. I mean, seriously, if we went down the row, most of us who have been in church for very long, we would say, yeah, I know somebody like that. Yeah, I know a pastor. There was a staff member at this church I was in 20 years ago. Look, there's a battle. 
This is an enemy scheming against all of us. And it's not something, as followers of Jesus, we should take lightly. We should not fear, for he is not more powerful than the one that lives within us. But we should not dismiss the fact that our enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will come against any of us. He will come against all of us. For the day of battle will come. May we be strong. Not in our strength, but in the strength of the Lord. Because we were ready. God, we grieve We grieve over people, high profile, no profile, celebrity, non-celebrity. People who have been exposed. Not, Not because their heart was always wrong, but because they stopped getting ready. They stopped believing that we're in a battle. They stopped believing that they could be defeated if they walked in their own strength. Don't let that be us, God. We don't fear the enemy, for you are greater. But help us to pray. Help us to walk in righteousness and truth. Help us to be prepared to advance the gospel of peace. Help us to believe, to have faith to trust you in all things. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.